Right. So, <clears throat> okay, so I think that we have the participants coming up uh, uh, right now, and we have, I think, a critical mass. We are getting to 50 already, so it's fine. So, good afternoon, good morning, or good evening, wherever you are in the world. And welcome to this seventh edition of the Prop Talk of Component. As you know, this is uh, uh, kind of a way to keep up uh, the communication within the network and with the network from the network to the rest of the world on research and uh, and the results in difficult times. So we do it uh, one hour and a half of presentations and discussion of interesting papers. And today, uh, I'm very happy that the Bank of Finland decided to uh, co-host the meeting. And we have Isa uh, Jokovulle, who is the chief of, uh, of the research department of Bank of Finland, that is going to chair this meeting. So, Isa, uh, you have the floor. We have a fantastic meeting on zombie firms. It's very interesting. So be prepared for a really exciting uh, set, set, set up. Please, Isa, you have the floor. Okay, thank you very much, Filippo. Uh, it's a pleasure to co-host uh, uh, the event here, uh, uh, an honor to the Bank of Finland, uh, myself also. Thank you very much. And uh, without further ado, uh, uh, we have two papers uh, today. And uh, uh, in fact, uh, you also, you are there, but we just decided that we changed the order of the papers. Uh, so that's because we've been, uh, we unless sure you are able to problems do, do will be uh... yeah, so for me it's fine for i mean okay. i can present okay. it also immediately no no whichever okay so if you can present go ahead present it if you are if you are able to open okay the so then we okay so we uh, stick to the original uh, schedule then so uh the first paper is called the life and death of uh zombies evidence from government subsidies to firms this paper is by Satu Nurmi, Juuso Vanhala, and Matti Viren, and the presenter will be Juuso Vanhala from the Bank of Finland. So please, Juuso, the floor is yours. We have 20 minutes. Okay, thank you. Thank you very much. Um, Tanya, did you, did you get my presentation and can you uh, put it on or should I try myself? No, I've received it. Just a moment, I'll put it on. Okay, thank you. So um, I can start anyways uh, in the meanwhile. So um, this paper, um, first, uh, the normal disclaimer applies, but um, um, so this does not represent the views of the Bank of Finland or the um, Eurosystem or Statistics Finland. But uh, this paper is about zombie firms, which is a topic that is uh, more or less impossible to avoid in these days. So. Um, reading the newspapers or, or um, commentaries, uh, one becomes almost anxious uh, about all the, all the worrying news about zombie firms uh, around. So what zombies are basically is uh, poorly performing firms that um, somehow manage to persistently survive on the market and, um, and, uh, and therefore uh, uh, there may be a problem to the economy. Uh, can we get the slides or... Um... 
Okay, very good. Okay, so you can go to the next slide. Okay, and then uh, one more slide forward, please. Uh, and tap maybe two times on the screen. Okay, so um, what we, what the literature recently is about that there has been rising incidence of zombie firms in the economy, and they tend to be a drag on the economy uh, because they're typically, they have lower productivity than other firms. And then there is an issue of congestion on the market, meaning that uh, these uh, zombie firms tend to um, also worsen the performance of healthy firms in the market. Uh, if you can tap one more time, please. Um, so, um, but in addition, and one, once more, please. So in addition, uh, there is um, the problem that it seems that um, uh, money is being thrown to these firms, even though they're uh, detrimental to the economy. So basically what uh, the literature is claiming that economic policies are to blame uh, low interest rates, uh, evergreening by banks, or then uh, subs public subsidies to firms are the sort of usual suspects for uh, these firms, for uh, supporting these zombie firms. Uh, and one slide forward, please. Uh, so what this paper is about, uh, if you can tap one more time, uh, okay, once more. Uh, so what we do is three things here. So um, we sort of do an autopsy of zombie firms to study what are these zombies really about? So are they truly distressed firms or, or not? Um, then uh, we have a very simple model, which is not in the current version of the paper, uh, to demonstrate that there is uh, maybe uh, some issues that are not considered in the literature. And then we have an application on government sub subsidies to zombie firms, um, uh, which is something that our um, data allows us to do. And if you can tap once more, please. So um, the main results giving a preview is that what we find in the Finnish data is that many of these zombie firms are actually growing firms. So one third of these are zombie classified are actually growing firms. And we find very frequent recovery from the zombie status um, back, to, back to becoming healthy firms. And um, this is two thirds of, of zombie firms. Um, then uh, one thing we want to raise here is that the uh, sort of rise and actually fall of zombie firms has been driven both by entry and exit into uh, zombie status and not only the uh, exit rate, which is, is much discussed in the literature. Uh, also, we take a brief look at zombie congestion, but then in a simple model, uh, if you can tap once more, uh, we have, uh, we try to raise the issue that maybe this uh, zombiness is to some degree a time horizon issue. Uh, and for the government subsidies, if you can tap once more, what we um, see is that firms receiving government subsidies are indeed less likely to die, but we do not really find positive evidence of subsidies um, helping firms to recover from the zombie status. So it seems that uh, if the intention is to correct some sort of market failure, uh, public subsidies uh, may not uh, be the cure to this, this problem. Let's go uh, forward. Uh, yes, okay. So one more thing for the empirical uh, results or the sort of descriptive results, I also will present 
some evidence from a more recent project uh, for six countries uh, that we have in the that we're working on currently. Uh, they're not in the paper, and the discussant uh, did not uh, receive those uh, in advance. So this is um, sort of some just extra evidence. Uh, what we use is data, uh, firm-level annual data coming from financial statement statistics and business registers from Statistic Finland, and um, this is basically the same data that we use to uh, for the CompNet uh, data that we produce uh, for Finland. Um, we have basically all Finnish firms, uh, non-farm, non-financial sectors, um, and the advantage of our data is that it's complete. So it allows the estimation of death rates. So we don't have sample attrition or such. And then um, we have firm level data on public subsidies, which is something that is uh, maybe not so typical for these data. And one uh, step further, please. Uh, then we have um, in a different project, uh, firm level data, sort of similar type of data uh, for Belgium, Croatia, okay, Finland, Italy, Netherlands, and Portugal, and I'll show a couple of figures. Let's go forward. So if we first look at uh, the how to identify zombies, the most typical way probably is this sort of static definition, or we call it static. So a persistently negative interest coverage ratio, which means that um, the reflects basically problems for firms in meeting their interest payment, payments from profits. So they need some extra funding or take new loans to fund their um, um, interest payments. So the typical criteria is that this uh, condition uh, is valid for three consecutive years. And many use a 10-year uh, age threshold, but we don't have that. But this condition Im implicitly gives a three-year threshold. And uh, actually, we note in the paper that it doesn't really matter if we have the 10-year threshold or not. Uh, forward, please. Um, and then uh, furthermore, we make one more distinction, which is uh, between non-growing and growing firms. So then we can go forward. So if we first look at uh, what these, this definition gives us, is that we see indeed some increase in the um, share of zombie firms. So that's the blue line in these figures. And um, we see that the rise has not been very uh, spectacular in Finland compared to maybe some other countries. Um, but if we look at the employment way, weighted figures or the numbers, which is the red lines here, we see that the shares uh, become much larger. And then uh, we also see that there was a sort of large increase during the or in the aftermath of the financial crisis. But thereafter, these numbers have come considerably down. So the sort of secular rise in the uh, zombie zombiness of the economy seems not to hold uh, for the Finnish data. Let's go forward. Um, okay, so this is uh, for the set of six countries, and we see that actually we cannot really see a secular rise uh, if we look at these six countries. So what we see is that uh, it remains, uh, it looks more cyclical, more financial crisis related, the rise, because there has been a subsequent fall in recent years. Let's go forward. Um, but then uh, when we look at these zombie numbers and we look at growing and um, declining firms separately, 
what we find is that actually one third of these companies that are defined according to this criteria are actually growing firms. And uh, this result actually extends across firm sizes, ages, and so on. So this is not, not particular to any special setup. And in employment-weighted terms, the share is even higher. Uh, so it's 43% in the Finnish data. Let's go forward. Looking at the other countries, we see that uh, it looks pretty similar for Belgium and Italy, for example. But then for Croatia and Portugal and the Netherlands, uh, this share of growing firms is considerably smaller. Although there is, is anyway, there is a, some, some one of these firms in the present in the data. Let's go. Let's go on. But then uh, the next thing we do, we look at this um, zombie exit. So we look look at uh, what happens at the end of zombies. And what we actually find is that two thirds of zombie exits are recoveries, and only one third of these um, zombie uh, uh, zombie exits are deaths. So um, a lot of firms actually um, we call call them false zombies in the sense that they're, they're not. It's not a state for them which ultimately leads to their death, but rather recovery. Uh, let's go on. Um, if we look at this. These um, uh, then for growing and uh, shrinking firms, what we see is that for the recovering firms, it doesn't really make much of a difference whether they're growing or shrinking. But then, in terms of the uh, dying, uh, ha the hazards hazards for dying, uh, there is a considerable difference. So that the growing firms, their death hazards are a lot lower than for for the other ones. Let's go on. Um, Similar figures for the other countries. So we see that uh, these uh, recovery rates are relatively high in all countries, smallest in Portugal, but anyway, even there, they're relatively high up to, a four, up to 40%. Let's go on. Um, so then there's this, um, when thinking about what this really means is that um, overall, when one looks at the zombie demographics, so we look at zombie entries and exits. Um, and this relates to the sort of monetary policy narrative that is in the literature that low interest rates keep zombies alive so they don't die as easily as usual. So um, what this would mean is that the zombie exit rate, uh, we, we should see a fall in the zombie exit rate, but in the Finnish data we don't find that. So it seems that um, it's something else that, that is there. So if we go on. Uh, what we're claiming here or saying is that actually we should look at both the entry and exit margin. And it seems that the, actually the exit margin has been very stable, whereas the exits from uh, the entries have been more volatile and have been driving the change in the, uh, in the rise of zombie incidents and fall. Let's go on forward. And one more. The, figures are relatively similar for, for uh, the other countries. We can go on. So then looking at these uh, determinants of these exit destinations. Um, so what we see is that um, uh, when looking at only uh, one exit or lumping them all together, it doesn't reveal everything. So we look separately at recovery and death. We see that uh, labor productivity is positively related and 
to uh, recovery and negatively to death. But then it seems that firm size and capital intensity both uh, uh, seem to uh, have a negative relation to um, to um, to the exits. So it seems that uh, there's some, some sort of deep pocket effect here. Then what we see actually also, if we put a, uh, the interest rate, look at the interest rate, it seems that it, um, it is negatively re related to recovery and positively to death. So, so that's what we think that the way it should also go. Let's go on forward. Uh, okay, one more, please. Okay, then uh, looking at these congestion effects, we did a very similar exercise as is done typically in the literature, but what we actually find is that the growing firms have a larger congestion effect on um, healthy firms than the, um, than the uh, declining or equal remaining firms, which may be perhaps surprising. And um, this would tend to indicate that maybe this congestion effect is not solely a question of misallocation of resources, but it may reflect some sort of competition effect that when there are more firms in the market, they tend to squeeze the profits of those existing already in the market. And it may be some sort of um, competition related phenomenon. Let's go on. So, uh, and one more step, please, uh, one more. So what we do is we have a very simple model. I'll, I'll just go through this first equation here and leave the, the rest uh, for later purposes. But if we present this as a value equation, as is done in the typical models of Hoppenheim or like labor market models of Mortis and Pissarides, uh, the value of an incumbent firm can be presented as a value equation. And these first two terms on the right-hand side, basically the F function here is a sort of uh, profit, profit function, if you wish. And then R is uh, the interest costs of the firm. And this is basically what the interest coverage ratio is telling us in all these uh, definitions of zombie firms. But what they tend to neglect is the um, um, term in parentheses on the right, which is the future value of the firm. So as long as this is uh, positive, and the more it is positive, the more uh, the sort of first two terms can, can be small or even negative. So this is kind of something that the, seems that in the literature has been not taken into account of when using these pure static uh, version, versions of the uh, zombie definition. But let's move on. So um, uh, let's go to the next slide. You also, you have about four minutes left. Okay, that's fine. So uh, then a short look at this application we do on uh, public subsidies to firms. So we see is, um, so these zombie spells, even though um, there are recoveries, a lot of recoveries, we see that they're still relatively persistent. So about 50% of these zombie spells are over four years of duration. So that may sort of call for the question, is there some sort of market failure that could call for policy intervention? And uh, government subsidies would be one way, perhaps, that would sort of lift these companies out of the zombie status. And this has been studied relatively little because data is not typically available. Uh, but in our case, we have this, and our hypothesis is that uh, firms are receiving subsidies 
these uh, are more likely to become or remain subsidy, uh, zombies or then uh, firms in sectors where zombie firms receive more subsidies are more likely to become or remain zombies. Let's go for, forward. So what we see here is that um, we, in this red square, we see that the share term here denotes um, um, the share of firms receiving um, subsidies in the sector. Um, and then uh, on the left-hand side of the equation is the um, um, is a sort of is a zombie zombie dummy. And we see here that subsidies are related to the presence of zombie firms and to their allocation across industries. And these subs is uh, if the firm itself receives uh, subsidies. So both receiving yourself or a lot of firms receiving in the sector tends to increase the chances of being a zombie. Let's go on. You also have two minutes. Please. Okay, uh, let's go to the next slide. So what we see here is basically these are these cumulative exit hazards again, and we see that for die, especially for dying firms, we see that it makes a difference. So receiving subsidies, uh, you are less likely to die, uh, whereas for recovery, it doesn't really tend to help you. So this um, figure sort of uh, summarizes the, the subsidy result that we have. We can go for, forward. Okay. okay, this is some details about the um, about these uh, subsidy different types of subsidies. Um, for the interested, can go to the paper, and we can go two slides forward. Uh, still. Okay, let's go to the last slide as a summary. So uh, just to conclude, uh, what we see is that uh, the finished data suggests that the rise of zombies seems to be less worrying than commonly thought. Um, and we see these growing and recovering firms in, that are very prominently present in the data. So also what we find is that, uh, that these are tend to be somewhat cyclical the uh, sort of rise and fall in the zombie incidents. And then um, public subsidies are related to the sort of persistence of zombie status. So now what we're doing currently is that we're looking at the um, uh, demographics of zombies for six different countries, and they suggest sort of similar results than what we had for Finland. And um, I'll leave it here. And maybe if somebody wants to discuss about the current situation as zombies, we can leave that for later discussion. Thank you. Okay, thank you very much, Yuso. Uh, before we turn to the uh, the discussion, so let me invite the audience that if you have questions, so please uh, use the raise hand function and uh, uh, we will invite you to the panel then so that you can uh, make your question. But now we turn to the discussant, who's going to be Angelos Atanasopoulos, and, and Angelos is from Trinity College, Dublin. So please, you have uh, up to 10 minutes. Angelos, can you please unmute yourself? That's always much better if you can hear me. Okay, so I was saying that I, I, I was thanking Philip on Anessa for organizing and also, also the team for organizing and Yusuf for a very interesting presentation. I'm really happy to be uh, commenting on this paper. I learned a lot from this paper. There are a lot of results there. Uh, and actually in the presentation, they have been more results. So maybe my comments might be uh, changed on the fly based on what we just heard from, uh, from Yusuf. So 
a very brief presentation of what the paper is about because we just heard it, obviously. It studies zombies firm, firms in, in uh, zombie firms in Finland. It uses a new methods to identify zombies by splitting the zombies and growing and shrinking firms. And this is actually quite important. It's new in the literature. It also uses state aid subsidies as a mechanism to think about zombies, as a mechanism which might explain misallocation, which is expressed or which we observe through zombies, and uses, uses those subsidies as, as, as a way of explaining zombies. The results are very interesting. Uh, the first, there are two, there are many results, but there are two main sets of results. First of all, is that most zombies recover. Over two thirds of zombies recover. This is very important because, of course, it is, it is contradictory uh, to the current existing uh, narrative that zombies are those things that are almost dead, they should have died, and we should try to get rid of them as quickly as possible. Uh, the, this, this paper sort of moderates this policy recommendation. The second set of results talks about subsidies and finds that subsidies do preserve firms, but on the other hand, subsidies do not seem to promote recovery. So maybe the persistence of zombies might be linked, or maybe is linked, at least in the Finnish data, to this mechanism, mechanism where, where subsidies uh, are, are, are promoting uh, promoting zombies. What are the contributions of the paper? The first contribution is a very important contribution, is a great data set. Not only is a firm level data set, uh, but also it has matched administrative data on the subsidies that, uh, that those firms receive. And if you remember the last pro, uh, pro talk that we had, uh, one of the wish lists of the participants was to have precisely data sets combining firm level data with subsidies and lo and behold our the colleagues from from the Finnish central bank produced this, this beautiful data set. so i think it's a great contribution the second idea is that is looking at subsidies as as the the mechanism which explains uh, explains zombies as as the previous literature we we're looking at things like interest rates or, or bank forbearance child with this ever dwindled loans so here is is, is is a really important contribution at least to the european literature the third thing that it tries to do is it tries to distinguish between this, this main problem about, about zombie firms. What, what is a zombie firm and how can we distinguish between firms with temporary losses against firms which have permanently lost their competitiveness and their reason to be, to be, uh, to be in the market. I'll, I'll, I'll review the results and there's a lot of results there. I'll try to situate them either in, in the context of the literature or, or in the context of the public debate. So the first thing that we, show, we are shown is that um, there is a cyclical rather than a secular part pattern in the zombie share. In the pay version of the paper that I had, this was only in Finland, whereas uh, you just told us information for other countries. So maybe my question, what is different in Finland, can be changed a little bit. What is the difference between firms that show cyclical pattern, countries, excuse me, that show cyclical pattern of zombie share compared to countries that show more of a secular trend? What can distinguish those two? That, that, that'd be a great thing you know, to, to think about. The second uh, nice descriptive result is, is, is what you saw when you identify zombies, that almost a third of, of those zombies are actually growing firms, what you call false zombies. And this helps you try to make an argument about permanent loss of competitiveness versus uh, temporary, uh, temporary problems. Uh, then you go on to uh, identify or to, 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 to measure uh, zombie conjunction attacks. And this is the only part of the paper that I might have some, uh, some concerns. The paper is using the standard Caballero Hoshe Garcia 2008 identification to, 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 to look at the uh, congestion effects, which is the negative effects of a large zombie sharing and sharing an industry to their relative performance of, of zombies, uh, of non zombies versus zombies. And it finds very straightforward results where indeed there is a, a negative congestion effects. But also, the paper does something new it introduces the splits 
in the zombie population, in the zombie group between growing and, 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 and shrinking firms. And then it finds that growing firms are actually have larger negative effects on non-zombies than shrinking firms. And then the paper goes on and says, okay, is this evidence that we're talking more of a competitive effect rather than the congestion effect? My comment is that I worry that the results we are shown might actually be vulnerable to the identification problem, which was brought in the literature by this paper by Schivardi, Sette, and Tabellini, which essentially says that what we are observing is a sample selection problem. And the results that you show in your table too, so the fact that this, for the growing firms, this 13.7 is larger than the 7.3, it is exactly what the critique by Schivardi and, 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 and co-authors uh, would actually predict. As a matter of fact, it seems that one of the co-authors is in the audience today. So I hope I'm not misrepresenting your, your, your work, but, if I, I, but, but, but if I think that the regressions and the, the estimation of congestion effect of the paper might be susceptible to this, to this critique. A final point on this part of the paper is that the, uh, your results seem to be sensitive to the fixed effects. So when you, it seems that when you saturate your model with uh, sector time fixed effects, your results actually are not statistically significant anymore. This might not necessarily be a weakness. This might tell us something, a negative, a negative finding might actually say something, particularly because the, 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 the negative conjecture effect, at least according to Schiavardi and Seth and Tabellini, it is actually almost a spurious thing. So if you do not find it, it might tell us something. I would have liked to learn a little bit more about that. Okay, the rest of the paper is all good, good news. I think, I think it's, you know, this is the strong part of the paper. So uh, first, in uh, what happens to zombies, you, you showed us that two thirds of the zombies recovered. And this is very important because again, it goes against the, against the narrative. Uh, a small suggestion might be to do what the subsequent paper by the BIS, which came a few months after your paper in September of, the, of last year, does by comparing zombies to uh, recovering zombies to the never zombies. The argument there being that even if zombies recover, they are somehow permanently being impaired. So it might, it might be a good idea to try to see this, this, they do this exercise, particularly if you have a longer, a, a longer uh, sample. Uh, another, another interesting observation, which, which, which I noted in, in your paper, is that there is a positive correlation between the duration of being a zombie and the size of the firm. And this is really interesting because it points to underlying mechanism, particularly possibly the willingness of authorities uh, to maintain employment, or simply the fact that large firms are uh, more difficult to resolve, or what you were calling the deeper, the deeper pocket effect. Finally, a, a, a point about the exit rates is that you showed us uh, that at least in Finland, there seems to be some sort of cyclical uh, pattern in the death hazards of, of zombies, which increased during the crisis and then subsided. But on the other hand, you seem to find a lengthening of the duration. So I was wondering if there is a, 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 a sort of a mixed situation where you might have a secular trend higher in the percentage of, in, in the share of zombies with a cyclical, uh, with a cycle superimposed. So that would be something that, that, that might be interesting to, to follow through. The last and most important part of the paper uh, is, is your analysis of subsidies where you actually use your, 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 your fantastic data set. What you do there is you find suggested correlations between subsidy intensity and zombie status. Basically you're saying uh, firms that, um, zombies do seem to receive more subsidies than non-zombies. And then what you, actually, you also show is that those subsidies seem to prevent exits 
but does not necessarily promote recovery. As you say, this seems to be an indication of a mechanism of misallocation of resources. And this is really a fantastic contribution in the, in the, in, 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 in the literature. Uh, going forward, uh, what I would like to see uh, is, uh, I would like to see uh, how the subsidies mechanism uh, works. Who gets those subsidies and why? Uh, and related to that is, how would you go about identifying the supply of subsidies. When we're looking at the supply of credit, for instance, in typical paper in the literature, then there is this, 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 this cross-sectional variation of the health of banks or something like that. Where would the variation come when we're looking at subsidies and try to identify a supply effect of subsidies? That, that is something that I do, not I do not have an answer, but it's probably something that you guys might be working on. The final point is more of a motivation of why this literature is very important. Obviously, subsidies and industrial policy it became extremely important in, uh, uh, during the last year. I found recently this, this, this fact that up until December you know, of last year, there had been 460 emergency national uh, firm support schemes approved by the EU in the context of the temporary framework of, uh, of, 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 uh, of uh, state aid. And this was budgeted for over 3 trillion uh, euros. So we see that industrial policy is becoming one of the major levels of, of, of policy uh, in the European Union. And this actually predates the health crisis. Uh, in 2019, there was a French German manifesto, uh, and then uh, uh, the EU as a whole uh, started thinking about how to restructure uh, its industrial strategy. So works which uh, work which shows how subsidies affect the survival of poorly performing firms or their, 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 their recovery, I think is very, very important contribution. And, 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 I, and I, I think this is what the paper is, is, bringing, uh, is bringing to the table. So great data and great agenda for the future on subsidies. I just cannot wait to learn more. Thank you. Thank you very much, uh, Angelos. And uh, now before we uh, let use to answer so let's collect uh, at least a couple of questions from the audience uh, audience i have here uh, laszlo tetany and then uh, filippo uh, di mauro so please laszlo oh yeah hi everyone um yes like a great paper great presentation i i was interested in um so these grow, growing firms that turns out to be like fake zombies uh, do they use a lot of inputs and somewhat related, do you see exporting firms across, uh, along uh, zombie firms? And then Filippo, please. Uh, yes, uh, thank you very much. Uh, you know, great paper, uh, Giuso. Um, uh, just a quick question on, uh, of course, uh, we are all reassured that the zombie firm uh, issue is not really a big problem. You tell us that basically 30, 40% are really growing. So it's really not a big issue, but still, we are, you know, as researchers and policy makers, we are still concerned about, you know, how we define an unviable firm, right? So, so I guess we have to find out another indicator, which is not, uh, which is not the zombie firm one, right? Or we add some of the elements in the zombie firm indicator uh, uh, so that we have a more complete picture of the situation. Uh, so I think that's, uh, is there any thought on that? So unless there's a, a third question right now, or we can uh, take Yuso's response, please, Yuso. You can respond both to the discussant and then to the uh, questions from the floor. 
Okay, thank you, thank you. So th thank you uh, for the for the discussion, Angelos. Uh, this was very um, a very nice discussion, and uh, you I think you found the, exactly the right points in um, in in the paper. So um, so um, you had a number of points here. I'm not sure if I can uh, immediately reply to them, but those are issues that uh, we we should definitely look look at. So. Um, uh, you asked about uh, what is different in countries where there seems to be a secular or cycl more cycl cyclical um, sort of trend. So in the six-country exercise, we have um, we have thought about this. So we do see some differences across countries. So mostly we we see this um, sort of rise and subsequent fall. That that actually different from many other papers is that our data goes a couple of years further. Uh, than in most papers. So a lot of people were writing these papers a few years ago when you still didn't have the data, you did not see the decline. So it, it sort of tells tells more of what the data is, is telling us. But then we have like the Netherlands where there has been a sort of secular decline actually in the um, zombie rate for, for years already. But for the congestion issue, uh, I think we'll have to think about that more. That was an interesting and a good point you made. Um, and um, and we should look more into it. It's maybe not the main point of the paper for us, um, the congestion issue here, but still it's it's an issue that um, we'd like to dig into a little bit deeper. Um, and then uh, for the subsidies, uh, which was a sort of third point that you raised, um, there are actually many avenues that uh, we think that might be fruitful to uh, analyze more in detail and might be even be subject to a, to a further paper further paper where we dig into that more deeply because it's um, there's a lot of scope scope to do here. Um, we have looked at exporting firms at some point, but the data is not optimal for us um, uh, in the data set because exports to the European Union are not classified as exports uh, in the data which uh, for Finland is a little bit problematic because most of our exports go to the European Union. So uh, we only get these sort of extra uh, EU exports in the data and that, that doesn't represent like, uh, represents only a share of the data. Um, then uh, for the definition of zombies, Filippo is right that um, uh, what we're kind of saying between the lines here is that um, it is maybe not the best way to define zombies in the way that is typically defined in the literature. And this is actually what a referee asked us to um, kind of maybe write some sort of easy model or simple model to kind of, you know, describe this a little bit, not this particular issue, but when writing the value equations, you see that it's not only the present, but it's the expected future value that should always be taken into account when defining a zombie. So, so that's, of course, um, in a purely empirical paper, difficult, but kind of the idea comes from, from the theory that uh, you should always have the future discounted value of the firm uh, taken into account. So these as brief comments. Uh, thank you, Yuso. And then there are two more questions. There is one from Matthias Mertens and then Enrico uh, Sette after that. So Matthias, please start. Uh, yeah, thanks. Um, 
so um, I, I have a question in the comments. So the question is basically, um, so very interesting paper, first of all, but uh, you showed basically that these uh, zombie firms, they recover a lot of them. So how long and how persistent is this recovery? So are there some firms that going back to become zombie firms? Do you, do you have any idea on that? And then uh, I really like this analysis with the subsidies. So I would be really interested about how these subsidies are structured across sectors and across what type of firms, because what I can imagine is that subsidies are basically um, designed to, to, to keep certain unprofitable uh, firms alive. Like for instance, I can imagine some public sector companies like theaters or uh, maybe agricultural sector firms that, that uh, like from a political point of view, policy wants to keep alive, although they know that they are uh, unprofitable. So can you comment on this uh, too? Thanks. Okay, thank you. So um, shall I take the other comment or reply to this? If uh, Enrico said that if you are ready to make a question, so maybe we collect your question also here. Okay, so. thanks. Uh, it's a very interesting paper. Uh, I have a, um, uh, a question slash comment and another more general comment. So the question is uh, on, on, on the identification of the, of the real effect of zombies. Uh, it is a point that was raised by, by, by the discussant. Uh, actually, we argue that using the share of zombie firms in an industry uh, is not a great idea because uh, it can be endogenous even if you control for uh, um, industry time fixed effects. And uh, the, que uh, the question, which is a, a practical question is, how do you treat firms that uh, in, in, in balance sheet data do not report interest expenses? In our data on uh, the Bank of Italy, uh, it, it, it's, it's, it's a non-trivial issue. Uh, in this case, for example, you, 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 you could set uh, at zombies firms that have uh, uh, a bit negative for three consecutive years, but, that, but that's, that, that's something that, that, that one may want to, to, to discuss. And the more general comment uh, is, on the, is on the COVID shock, let's call it like that. Uh, in a sense, unfortunately, it is probably a good shock for uh, this kind of analysis because uh, we can argue that uh, uh, it is a shock at uh, demand or consumer preferences. And uh, in this respect, uh, one could argue that uh, in certain sectors, uh, it is really going to create zombie firms. So firms that have uh, poor uh, future prospects. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a point that uh, uh, is debatable, but it's, it's my, I mean, it's, it, it's my view on, on the, on the zombie issue in the in the COVID times. Thank you. Okay, thank you. Uh, Go ahead. Good, good comment. So uh, to to Matthias, um, uh, for the recoveries, sort of what you asked is how stable are these recoveries, and this maybe relate relates to the earlier comment on um, how these um, how you 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 could compare um, the sort of uh, recovering zombies to the never zombies. So what we find, have looked at at some point is that um, how many zombie spells does one firm have? And actually of the zombies, only about 10% have 
two zombie spells, and there are very few that have more than two zombie spells in their in 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 the uh, well, we have twenty years of data. So most of them have actually just one zombie spell, which means that they recover more or less permanently. We have not looked at uh, what what their life looks like after that, but at least they do not mostly go back to zombie status. Um, then for these, how these subsidies are structured across sectors and so on. So what we have here is um, we have sort of an aggregate subsidy variable, R&D subsidies, employment subsidies, and then other subsidies. What we don't have is tax subsidies and, and uh, some others. But uh, like for R&D subsidies, that's maybe not something that is like keeping, keeping um, sort of... Um, Typical zombies alive. It's maybe more to more allocated to these growing firms, uh, but we should maybe look at this more in detail. On the other hand, the employment subsidies might be the typical. Uh, what you were saying that these kind of subsidies that tend to uh, tend to be uh, allocated to firms that that would otherwise die. Um, then for Enrico. Um, uh, this this issue came came up about identification um, already um, by the discussant. Um, um, I think um, this is this, this is interesting, and actually we should lo look into this in more detail. Um, I discussed this at some point with my co-author uh, at Banca d'Italia um, about this um, about firms who who have uh, no interest. Um, expenses and so on it seems that it's the the phenomenon is larger in italy than what it is in the finnish data uh, so it's 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 like more a more significant uh factor there but um we're running sort of i guess short on time just as a as a comment on this covid shock i think um you're right that th this will produce something very interesting uh, unfortunately, the data lags lags uh, somewhat behind. So uh, before we can get our hands on that, uh, we'll have to wait. But one thing I would like to say is that all this writing about the huge increase in zombie firms um, due to the COVID-19 shock, maybe one should bear in mind that um, if a company has had maybe one or two quarters of negative profits or ne low, very low in interest coverage ratio, that does not maybe make it a zombie in the conventional sense. So it's more like typical business cycle variation in, in profitability. Of course, as long as this tends, seems to be um, going on for longer and longer, these will eventually become zombies, some of them at least. But um, that is something that uh, we cannot wait to get our hands on as soon as we get data. Thanks. Okay, thank you very much, Yuso. Uh, I do not see any uh, further questions from the floor. Am I correct? I guess that's the case. So uh, uh, it's indeed soon time to uh, move on to the to the next paper. But before that, so let me once again thank Yuso for the great presentation and uh, Angelos for his. Uh, Thoughtful remarks and uh, everybody who made questions from the floor. So thank you. Thank you. And then uh, let's move on to the to the next uh, the second paper. Do asset purchase programs 
shape industry dynamics, evidence from the ECB's securities markets uh, program uh, on plant entries and exits. This paper is by Manfred Antoni, uh, Michael Kotter, uh, Stefan Müller and Talina Saunders House, uh, who is going to be the one uh, uh, to present the paper. And uh, Talina comes from the IWH. Uh, please, Talina, the floor is yours. Yeah, thank you so much um, for giving us the opportunity to present this paper here at the Broad Talk. Uh, we are really happy about it. And um, so this is joint work with Manfred Antoni. He's from the Institute for Employment Research. And then also together with Michael Kötter and Stefan Müller, they are also from the IWH. So in this paper, we're asking uh, the question, how does asset purchase programs, that is unconventional monetary policy, shape industry dynamics? And in particular, we're looking at um, the effect on plant entries and exits. And also to connect to the um, topic of today, that is uh, zombie firms, um, we will be looking at um, low and high productive uh, plants. So uh, let's see how we fit in here and how we can also connect to uh, use this uh, interesting paper. So um, let me briefly, uh, briefly give, you, give you an overview. Uh, about our papers. So, um, so far, the literature has found that um, unconventional monetary policy um, increases especially risky lending to low productive firms. Um, so this is um, in vain of the so-called zombie lending literature. So especially low capitalized banks seem to increase lending to low productive firms. Um, but uh, however, the implications for industry dynamics, that is entry and exit rates of plants or firms remains unclear so far. So uh, we aim at um, answering this question whether asset purchase programs change the exit and entry rates of German plants and therefore um, hamper or reduce the factor reallocation mechanism. So we do a twofold analysis here. First, on the micro level, uh, we are looking at plants. And in particular, we will compare uh, the probability of default of plants which were connected to a bank which was affected by the unconventional monetary shock. And we compare it to plants um, which are linked to a bank which was not hit by the shock. And then secondly, we move on on the aggregate level and thereby we can make use of a much larger database of 50% of all plants in Germany. And there we can um, analyze entry and exit dynamics at the regional sector level. So what we find in our analysis is on the micro level that plants tied to uh, banks which were hit by the unconventional monetary policy shocks, they are actually more than 20% less likely to exit compared to um, the control group that is uh, compared to plants which were linked to a bank which uh, was not hit by the unconventional monetary policy program. And on the aggregate um, level, we find for industries and regions that entry and exit rates um, are lower um, if they were more exposed to the um, asset purchases. 
So there are several strands of literature where we fit in. So first, um, first of all, there are the seminal papers by Caballero and Hamoun, uh, who coined the um, cleansing, the so-called cleansing effect during economic recessions. And especially in the 1996 paper, they're saying they're claiming that it um, that unproductive units should exit the market during an economic downturn because then um, the opportunity costs for reallocating resources are particularly low. And also, uh, also Timahin and Papada, they take up this um, thought and um, expand uh, on it also in a model where they say, well, it can be a little bit more tricky if there are also um, credit constraints or financial constraints coming into play. So also a high productive firm, which is financially constrained, might exit the market during a downturn. Um, so there might also be exits of, um, of high productive units. And uh, we find that um, actually um, when we are looking at um, the effect of uh, a shock on the banking system, uh, uh, and when we are looking at um, what happens to firms um, who, who are linked to these banks, that entry dynamics have been very well researched. However, exit dynamics rarely so. So, uh, for instance, Cetorelli and Strayan, they look at the um, US um, economy and uh, find that during banking deregulation, um, uh, banking deregulation period, which uh, enhanced the competition between banks, that also many more firms could enter the market. And Canada, they uh, complement these findings and they are actually looking at exit rates and they're saying, well, this industry dynamic really has picked up with the increase of competition between banks. So there were more and firms entering, but also more firms exiting. And Marianne Bertrand and her co-authors they are looking um, at the French economy and they find that during a period of banking deregulation in the 1980s, um, that also industry dynamics have picked up. So again, more entries and more exits of firms. Thirdly, uh, we also connect to the so-called zombie landing literature, that is the landing um, to unproductive units. Um, so Caballero and co-authors, they, um, they, they've written a seminar paper on the zombie landing in, uh, on a Japanese economy where they find that low capitalized banks especially have an incentive to continue lending to low productive borrowers. That is, um, they do have these incentives because they could alternatively cut off these borrowers, but thereby they had to um, um, materialize a loss to their own balance sheet. So there might be incentives to continue uh, to continue lending to these um, low productive borrowers. And Ajaya and co-authors and Jimenez and co-authors, they find like this phenomenon um, taking place uh, during unconventional monetary policy times in the Eurozone. So Ajaya and co-authors, they find that um, during the OMT program, that is the Outright Monetary Transaction Program by the ECB 2012, it was especially the low capitalized banks which increased lending to low productive firms. And Jimenez and co-authors, they find uh, similar uh, results for the Spanish economy in a low interest rate environment. So finally, um, we will be looking at the Security Markets Program there was the first large-scale asset purchase program of the ECB. And uh, there are already several papers who show that um, the S&P 
lowered government bond yields. I will, in a minute, I will explain uh, what the S&P was about. Um, it caused an increase in credit supply and it stimulated the macroeconomy. So our contribution here is that we provide the first granule paper. And with granule, I mean that um, on the plant level, that provides evidence on the impact of unconventional monetary policy on industry dynamics, that is in uh, entry and exit rates. And the question is whether asset purchases mute the factor reallocation mechanism. So let me briefly describe the securities market program. The ECB set up this, their first large-scale asset purchase program in May 2010, and it lasted until September 2012. So they set it up at the height of the sovereign debt crisis. The ECB purchased sovereign debt from uh, southern European crisis countries, as well as from Ireland. And we are arguing in our paper that this is actually quite a good testing ground to see whether um, industry dynamics change um, um, as a response to unconventional monetary policy, because firstly, the program really remarked, uh, marked a regime shift. So the ECB was very reluctant to intervene into financial markets. And um, in contrast to the Fed, which was much earlier in, um, in purchasing uh, on a large scale um, securities. And it was a, the program was a response to a crisis in Southern European countries. It was not a response, for instance, to a credit crunch in Germany. And um, the primary aim of the program was to lower government bond yields. And we can see that in the announcement of the program, but also in the sterilization measures. So the ECB, while purchasing government bonds and injecting uh, central bank reserves into the system, withdrew central bank's reserves at other places to keep aggregate reserves holding stable. So the aim was not to stimulate credit growth. And banks holding SP eligible assets, so um, we call them in the following the treated banks, they could uh, benefit either by selling um, these assets to the ECB and thereby obtaining liquid reserves, or they could uh, keep on holding these assets and thereby um, gaining from an evaluation effect. So the hypothesis that we are testing in this paper is that the probability of default decreases for plants linked to a treated bank. And we want to see whether uh, we can, we have to, uh, we, whether we have to reject this hypothesis or not. Um, so here you can see an overview about our, uh, our data set. So we are merging several, uh, several uh, large data sets here. So starting with uh, data from the ECB, we know um, which um, assets were being purchased during the S&P. And we know from the Bundesbank um, which banks held um, S&P eligible assets. Uh, we merged this with um, bank scope, um, bank level balance sheet data. And then uh, from on the real side, um, we obtained uh, or we are using data from the establishment history panel that covers 50% of all plants in Germany. And uh, we explicitly know uh, which plants exited the market. And we can distinguish this from sample attrition or from, um, for instance, mergers or spin-offs. And we merged this um, 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 panel, uh, sorry, this, um, this plant level data, the firm level data uh, provided by the Beruf van Dijk Amadeus data set. 
And then we need to uh, we need a key uh, to 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 put together the firm level data and the bank level data. And we are using the Daphne firm bank link, also provided by Buru van Dijk, where we can see which firm uh, is linked to which bank um, to put together all this uh, this whole data set. So let me be a little bit more specific um, on our identification strategy on a micro level. So um, we are only looking at plants here, which have a link to a regional bank, such that we rule out that the banks um, um, are specialized in security tradings or might have foreseen the program to come up or speculate, speculated on these assets. So we, are only, uh, we, we only have regional banks here and we only have um, um, plants which have a single bank relationship. That is, um, we want to ensure that the link to the bank um, is sufficiently um, tight. The problem is with the um, Daphne firm bank link that we only know the fact that the firm is linked to the bank. We don't know the intensity of the relationship. So in this way, we really make sure there's a tight relationship. And um, actually, in this way, we also just look at small and medium plants, which is also our goal here, because we want to rule out that firms um, could go to capital markets and, um, and uh, use alternative uh, funding sources. So um, in the analysis, we also control for fixed effects um, for industry and regional demand shocks. And in the following, we will distinguish between weak and strong banks um, defined as weakly capitalized banks versus other banks, as well as productive and unproductive plants. And here we will be using um, um, a, a, a measure for labor productivity that is turnover per employee. So in total, we make use of 200, uh, more than 200,000 plant year observations and we cover the years 2007 till 2013. So let me explain to you uh, my setting again. So um, here you can see the squares, these are banks and um, circles are firms and the diamonds, these are plants. So um, a firm only has one link to a bank, but a firm can have uh, one plant or it can have several plants. So in the following, we will compare plants which have a link to a treated bank compared to plants which are linked to uh, banks which were not treated from the unconventional monetary policy shock. So um, we are estimating a linear probability model here. So the dependent variable is a binary variable which equals one if um, the plant exits in year T. And then uh, we define a treatment variable. Um, it's, it's called SMP here and it, it equals one if the bank uh, the plant is connected to held S&P eligible assets in all three um, um, program years. And then we interact that with, a, a time, uh, with our time dummy, which equals one in the post-treatment uh, post years 2010 to 2013 and zero before. And also we include a lag of bank and firm level control variables. Talina, you have about yes. five minutes left. Great, thank you. Um, so uh, let me show you our baseline result here. The table builds up on uh, fixed effects. So let's have a look at the last column, which shows the most uh, conservative estimations, including region time and sector time fixed effects. So you can see that a plant 
which was connected to an, um, a bank which was hit by the um, S&P program uh, lowered its probability of default by 0.5 percentage points compared to plans which were linked to banks which did not held S&P eligible assets. And when we compare this to the mean exit rate of the whole sample, the mean exit rate of the whole sample was 2.3%. Um, so we find actually that the probability of default decreases by more than 20%. And then what we do in the paper, but um, in the interest of time, I don't show this here, we interact with indicator variables, whether the plant was uh, linked to a low capitalized banks and whether the plant itself is a low productive, uh, low productive plant. So um, what we find is that the uh, result is driven by plants connected to low capitalized banks, exactly as uh, we can see in the Salmi lending literature. And uh, we can see actually that um, the effect is driven by both high and low productive uh, plants. However, the effect is even larger for those uh, that we define as low productive. So let me briefly also show you some results on, on the aggregate level. So what we do here is we aggregate more than 10 million plant year observations. Um, as I just said, this is 50% uh, of all plants in Germany. And we aggregate them up on the region and sector level to obtain aggregate entry and exit dynamics. So what you can see here on the map, it's uh, 402 German regions, but we also aggregate on 66 sectors. And then what we do is we calculate the share of treated plants on the region and sector level. So here on the heat map, you can see that um, the share of treated plants uh, varies between the, the uh, counties um, between 10% uh, of plants treated up to 92%. And we want to find out whether the share of treated plants in the regional sector uh, also shapes entry and exit dynamics. So similarly, we um, estimate a kind of diff and diff um, um, model where the dependent variable is the entry or exit rate in a region or in a sector. And the treatment variable is the share of treated plants per region or per sector. We include two, yes. Sorry, two minutes. Please. Great. Um, we include uh, region or sector fixed effect, time fixed effects. The time structure is the same as before. So let me show you the results. Um, so first of all, we can look at the entry and exit rates and regions, and we find that entry rates are lower for regions. Uh, which have a high share of, um, of plants connected to treated banks. So we find that entry rates are suppressed, but we also find that exit rates are suppressed, similarly to the micro level and um, similar to the micro level evidence. And then on the sector level, we also find negative effects, though not so much pronounced for the entry rates. This is not statistically significantly different from zero, but we find suppressed exit rates. And in terms of the economic magnitude um, in the sector, this is similar to what we find on the micro level, um, on the micro level analysis. So exit rates are um, more than 20% lower than um, compared for an average, uh, for an average affected sectors. So here, this is a continuous variable and we have to interact with the, uh, with the uh, uh, respective S&P share. And also here, we distinguish between high and low productive region and sectors. And we find that 
the results on the regional level, they are driven especially by low productive regions. So let me wrap up with some uh, additional tests. Um, we do placebo estimations where there are no results. We dig deeper into um, the distribution of low productive, high productive firms and low capitalized and high capitalized banks and can make it more specific uh, where we find effects. Um, we exclude financial centers and also do leads and legs estimations and t-tests. So thanks a lot for listening. Thank you very much, Talina. Great, great job. And uh, the discussant will be Martin Kornayev from uh, University of Bonn. So please, the floor is yours. Thank you very much. I share the screen. And uh, I'm unmuted. Yes, okay. <laughs> Just a second. Okay, so you see the slides? I guess so. Um, all right. So uh, thanks Talina for the engaging presentation and um, thanks for letting me discuss uh, this exciting and, and fine piece of empirical work, which was a very pleasant read uh, with clear and concise languages and, uh, and I learned, learned a lot, obviously. Um, so while reading, I had a few questions that came to my mind and I would be curious to hear your opinion. And I hope also that this will trigger, uh, trigger an insightful discussion going forward. Um, just to fix ideas again, the, the overall, I mean, the paper goes straight at the heart of an important policy discussion, falling into the more general uh, debate about the adverse effects of uh, QE medicine, so to speak. Uh, and while the very idea of asset purchasing programs is to provide liquidity for credit to the non-financial sector, concerns, and especially this paper, centers the idea that liquidity might as well take wrong turns. And uh, the ultimate concern then is that QE may be self-defeating because narcotizing the, the undergoing economic crisis might delay economically prudent access, exits. And um, it's generally undisputed that this would lead to uh, overcapacity and market congestion, deterring entrance with new technology and eventually uh, limit growth at the aggregate level. Um, and to study this question, the authors compile a very impressive macro, micro database, as we just saw, which allows us to trace the channels of QE liquidity right from the central bank to individual plants uh, across Germany. And they have a very clear and transparent estimation approach. And the answers they come up with are on the micro level, as we heard, that there is indeed a significant and economically meaningful effect, negative effect on the exit probability. And also they corroborate this on the macro level, uh, kind of countering the concern that, you know, if there's more liquidity around that prevents access, this, may, this you know, more liquidity may also uh, finance more entries. So kind of compensating each other, but no, this seems not to be the case, but rather that this uh, channel above here uh, is operating also at a macro level. Um, so the questions then I, I structure around just about the data and about the estimation. So let's go in kind of chronological order. Um, and I was asking myself uh, why in the first place going to the plant level actually, because the concern is that uh, QE is keeping up plants or firms in particular that are uh, low productive 
um, and thus congest your market. If, if there would be high productive, this is no problem, right? We would like to have a lot of high productive firms. And the point is that institutional capital is an important, I think, deter determinant of, of productivity. And this is uh, at the firm level, not at the plant level. And of course, physical capacity also uh, plays, plays a big role. And you could get this also from, from the financial accounts using assets or, or perhaps the wage bill. Uh, and ultimately, banks are targeting firm exits, not plant exits, because the fault occurs on the firm level. So um, yeah, I would be curious to, to uh, hear what you're saying or whether this might be even something to explore. Um, the second point uh, concerns the sample. Um, so you focus on the uh, Sparkassen and Genossenschaftsbanken, right? These uh, small, smaller and, and uh, banks from the public realm. And um, while they make up a, lo a lot of banks in Germany, for sure, it would be cool to see or interesting um, how the distribution of the eligible assets was between the bank that were excluded and the bank that are included in the analysis, just to make sure that, that you uh, pick up actually the mass of the policy package. And this cannot be swamped by whatever other effects that are going on at the, at the same time. And regarding the firm sample, I misunderstood the paper. I thought that you could link actually the financial statements to the banks uh, with, a, with a credit link, how much debt this holds. But you said that this is not the case. So now, so now I see better why, why you focus on this specific uh, subsample of firms that only have one bank, which of course is, this is a very specific one. Uh, but yeah, for sure covers uh, the majority of the population of firms, which are small. Okay, uh, and then concerning the estimation, I have uh, two main points and then minor remarks. First one concerns the treatment, which you define, if I recall correctly, uh, as a bank that has eligible assets for all years of the treatment. So 2010, 2011, 2012. My first intuitive goal would have been uh, to take the stock of assets in 2010, because the bank could sell it in 2010 uh, and you know, make a lot of liquidity from it, which then can be loaned on to, to, uh, to banks, uh, to, to other firms. Uh, and this would not be picked up in, in, in your original definition of the treatment. Um, so if there's a particular reason for it, I'm very curious to hear about it or perhaps just run a robustness check and, and see what, what comes out of it. And the second main comment uh, concerns the productivity or the weak productivity analysis that you're already doing, which I think uh, is the heart of the paper because we care about delaying we care about delaying desirable exits and desirable exits are exits of low productive firms. So we don't care if we delay exits for the high productive firms, which actually is the purpose of the of the S, uh, of the S and P, right? Um, so if you could perhaps also um, make your estimate of productivity uh, finer, go, go to the literature and do all the you know, total factor productivity estimation stuff that, that you know, methods are out there. Not only, you know, currently you take, I think the employees, uh, you know, turnover over employees, uh, which I think should also have a sector correction. Um, and also just, you know, it differs by, by capital intensity. So get total factor productivity and then do the same stuff or perhaps go further into it and then show that the exit probabilities, you know, show the distribution in some way, show the distribution of, uh, of productivity and that the exit prob probabilities 
drop on the lower spectrum of this distribution. And then this is, uh, this is the worrying sign that we are all concerned about. If you could investigate, investigate this, I think this would be amazing. Um, yes, and then some minor stuff uh, regarding the common trends. So I, we, I guess we'd like to see also profitability or productivity for that matter. And also net worth levels, because this seems to be, at least for the theoretical literature, an important uh, financial friction that, that uh, determines misallocation. Um, to, so just investigate trends, pre-trends also are there. And as you do in the second part of the paper, where you do this explicit time dummy tests on, on, on common pre-trends, uh, do this also in the first part. Um, I think this is the best test of, 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 um, of uh, parallel trends in the run-up to the treatment. Uh, and do this at least for, for the main variable, which is the exit rates, um, or, or at least have a graph or something like that. Currently, the, the test on average year-on-year -year growth, perhaps it's a bit too rough because you know, it can go just up and down, up and down, or on average, it's kind of parallel, but in the meantime, there's something going on. And um, okay, and then the next point about robustness. Um, so the age profile, of course, matters a lot for the exit probabilities, and it seems also to matter for your uh, estimation because you include it everywhere, and you have a very flexible treatment with you know, fourth order polynomial um, to pick up all the structure. Uh, now the problem with poly polynomials is that at the at the uh, extreme of, of the support they may behave very weirdly. So just make sure that this is not the case and have a non-flexible uh, just dummy. I mean you have a lot of observations. You can throw in lots of dummies for the ages. Perhaps bin them a bit because some plants may be very old and um, something like that. So that's not driven by outliers, but the individual kind of age fixed effects. Um, yeah, that would be great. And then, but this is not so important, perhaps you could also run the symmetric setup that you run for the exits, also for the entries on the plant level. Um, kind of, and then have the full, go, go, full, go full circle with the, with the symmetry between the macro and the micro level. Um, perhaps that's not possible for a reason that I can't see at the moment. Um, I'm happy to discuss. And, and if I, uh, so this is a minor remark. You, you didn't mention it in the, in the presentation anymore, but in the paper you write that one great point to study the S&P is because it was so novel and the ECB was uh, entering new territory there. Uh, but actually the Fed also already engaged in, in, in buying treasuries in 2009, uh, as far as I know, and, and this amounted to a half a trillion um, of treasuries up until uh, 2010 or so. So, so if this, so I don't think that this is important for the narratives. I don't know why it's actually written in the paper so far because I don't think that this is a huge concern. Of course, we want no anticipation effect to meddle with the results whatsoever. But if we can't exclude it, I don't think that this is an important aspect here, at least to my uh, opinion. Uh, yeah, but that's a minor one. And finally. As you have this amazing data, um, why not color the narrative more and also show kind of the channel through credit? So does, cre does treatment actually uh, also change credit provisioning? And do zombie firms or low productivity firms receive more credit than comparable firms in the non-treatment group? Um, seeing that would be great. Um, just to, to, yeah, as an, an additional robustness or yeah, context result. 
since you have this really uh, fantastic data. Um, yeah, thanks a lot. I, I enjoyed reading the paper a lot. Okay, thank you very much, Martin, also. Um, so uh, to the audience, please, now it's a good time to raise your uh, hand. We have one question here, uh, which we go next to, but uh, please think about a question and, uh, and raise your hand. So we'll let you make your, invite you to make your question then. Uh, so uh, Filippo, uh, you have a question. Would you like to start? Yeah, and then there is a Rico that I see that has a raising hand. Uh, so, uh, you know, very interesting paper, although, you know, it's a very strong message, correct? I mean, and uh, there are other ways that have been demonstrating that, in fact, they're not so, ne so negative. In fact, these policies have been, uh, you know, useful for other matters. So I think it's a bit reductive on the, on the value of these policies. But more specific question is related to this regional aspect that I'm not sure in your presentation I, I, I completely uh, follow in the sense, or maybe you say something about the, 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 regional, the regional aspect. In, I'm interested in knowing if there is some relationship uh, sort of story going on in the sense that it's true that there are interest rate, uh, you know, sort of, uh, you know, sort of, uh, unconventional monetary policy, but there are also relations going on between certain, you know, banks and clients, right? So I was wondering if there is a kind of a regional story going on. In Italy, would have, of course, would have been looking into whether the South has the same result or the North. How is this in Germany? Thanks. Okay, so maybe we take a Talina's uh, response now to the uh, to the discussant and then uh, Filippo. There is, also, a, so there is a Rico Sette. Rico Sette is raising hand. Rico, yeah, hi, Rico. Can, oh, I, can, I, yes. can I ask? Yes, yeah. Enrico, go ahead, okay. please. Uh, it's a very interesting paper. Thank you. I have a couple of questions. The first is that if I understood correctly, uh, you are using as a pre-period 2007 until 2009. I mean, I see that, that you are testing for pre-trends, but somehow 2009, was was a year of 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 recession in Germany. So I wonder whether this 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 could 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 be an issue for your result. Uh, and also at the end of two thousand eight, the default of Lehman uh, had an impact, uh, especially on German regional banks. So again, in principle, this could be a confounding factor. And the second point relates somewhat to an issue that the discussant raised. So you are using plants. But in a sense, it would be interesting to understand whether the, the, the wrong decision no, of, of keeping inefficient plants alive are depending on characteristics of the firms or of the banks. It is possible that banks are lending efficiently to firms that have a low default probability, but, 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 but then firms, uh, are deciding to keep alive uh, the lower productivity plans, potentially because they have, for example, a weaker corporate governance uh, or a strong representation from trade unions, which would be uh, a good idea for other reasons, but uh, it happens to be driving uh, this kind of behavior. Econometrically, potentially, uh, you could include firm time fixed effects uh, and really check whether the effects are true 
uh, a decision on uh, high productivity plants versus uh, low productivity plants uh, in multi-plant firms. Thank you. Okay, th thank you, Enrico. And there is one more question uh, by Beatrice Gonzalez, please. And then we let uh, Talina uh, respond. So Beatrice, please. Hi, thank you very much uh, for the presentation. Uh, it was uh, great. So, uh, and I agree with you that there is very little research on, on exits. And I think one of the reasons is because it is very different, very, uh, sorry, very difficult to define uh, when a plant or a firm exits, right? And I was wondering, uh, like, what is the definition you use for plant exit? Because I guess this is, uh, 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 this is an issue and this might have uh, some, uh, uh, some important, um, uh, consequences on, on what you, you might find. So, uh, yeah, this is just a question. Ah, thank you. So, thank you. And Talina, now it's your turn. Uh, let me remind that we have uh, something like four minutes for <laughs> for the discussion and then leaving one minute to, to close. So, please. Okay. Thank you so much for all these uh, great comments. I think they help us a lot also to uh, think about again um, also what is important in the paper. So let me just very quickly answer to Filippo. You are completely right. So um, of course these policy have been put up to rescue the, the Eurozone, right? And they were successful in doing so and we should not um, um, uh, question this. Um, so it should be really clear, this is only about um, unintended side effects. And um, yes, so you're completely, uh, you're completely right. And um, we are exactly also on this, um, on this way. So uh, please first, let me thank Martin uh, for this uh, really cool discussion. It's very extensive. So let me uh, just quickly um, maybe answer some questions. So uh, um, also, um, um, Enrico Sette, you also asked about the plants and Martin as well. So why go on the plant level? So uh, first of all, we can identify exits on the plant level. So, uh, and this also goes back to the question by Beatrice. Um, when we only look at the Amadeus data set, we can just see firms disappearing and that could be just sample um, attrition. So on the, actually on the plant level, on this administrative data set by the Institute of Employment Research, we can identify exits and we know a plant exited um, the, the market and we know it's not, uh, it's not um, data attrition, it's not a spin-off and it's not a merger. So um, Beatrice, maybe this is not, not completely satisfying because then we still don't know, is it uh, bankruptcy? But uh, at least we can rule out several other um, settle several other channels. Then let me say that the sample consists mostly, so it's more than 90%, if I'm not wrong, 95% of single plant firms. So you are all completely right when you're saying why not going to the firm level, why going to the plant level at all? Um, the difference even is not that large, but on the other hand, we really capture the super small firms here. So a firm that has only one plant, the median number of employees is five. So this is like, um, th this is like, um, of course, we are also interested in, in firms with several plants. And maybe this could also be used as an identification as Enrico Sette has proposed, which is, I think, quite cool. We could still do this. I mean, then we are reduced to the 5% of observations. But I mean, still, this is an interesting question uh, when we would use firm time fixed effects. 
um, to identify whether the decision is really taken by the bank or by the firm. But then in total, we can really see that it's um, it's more than 90% single, uh, single plant firms. Um, then maybe uh, just quickly, uh, some questions that you raised, Martin. So I think in some things, we really have to be more specific in the, in the paper. Um, so you were asking about the, um, how are the, the small firms exposed to the S&P shock? You're completely right. The commercial banks were much larger exposed. So we, we're dying a, a death here by uh, trying to, to, um, to be better able to, to identify the effect. But um, maybe we could show better um, that there's quite some variation between uh, regional banks. And I can see I'm running out of time. <laughs> I think I need to stop here. But Martin, uh, really great. Thank you for all these ideas. And I think we have to do a lot more work here. OK, thank you very much, uh, both Talina for the great presentation and Martin for, for the thoughtful comments. Uh, Thanks. It's been a great uh, event, and uh, thank you, Filippo, for the for the cooperation. I now uh, turn the floor to you if you want to close the the event. Uh, basically, really thank you to Bank of Finland and to all the participants. It was a great event, and uh, let me invite you then to the next one, which will be having a Latin America perspective. Uh, you know, now we are at the eighth event. We want to cross over Europe, so let's see how it works. So uh, you are all invited uh, next month. Uh, there is the first um, uh, Tuesday of every month that we have these events. So check on, on our website. And for now, thank you very much again and stay safe and healthy. That's very important these days, okay? Thank you for participating. Bye-bye from company. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank Thanks a lot. Bye. Bye.